1: My first year teaching, I had a teaching assistant that was new to the autism and special ed world. And after a few months in the classroom, he pulled up one of the visual pictures that was posted on the wall and he was like, Sasha, I have to ask, why does this guy have a cone head? And I'm sure as many of you can picture in your head right now, he was talking about the little board maker man right? We all have subscription to BoardMaker. We have the BoardMaker CD. It's a great software to make visuals, but the guy does have a conehead. Um, And I laugh because you walk into any special ed room and you are smacked in the face with visuals. There's visuals all on our walls, in our books, in our work tasks. And a great special ed program is really grounded in the use of visuals. So if you were reluctant to click on this episode because you're like, oh, visuals, I'm an expert at that. I know how to do that. We're going to get a little bit more advanced today and we're going to push beyond just using visuals, but Why do we use visuals? And like really thinking about that because we are creatures of habit. Just most humans are. We start doing things the same way year after year. You set up your classroom the same way. You use strategies the same way. But if you take a step back and force yourself to kind of think about the why with each visual you use or the ways that you use them, it gives you new insight into how to utilize this strategy even better. And then we're going to get into the fading aspect of visuals. How are we pulling away from these visuals and ensuring that our kids can use these strategies on their own? Because the key here is independence. And I think that the silver lining and major, major great take-home point of visuals is that visuals will lead to independence. And maybe it seems like they wouldn't because it seems like it's a tool that our kids need that's extra. But actually, it's something that they can utilize by themselves. And visuals exist in our world. You and I use visuals every day. So this is something that's naturally occurring. So of course, this, want, this needs to be a strategy that we as teachers rely on. So let's review the basics. Visuals are not decoration. They're not just cute clip art. They have a purpose and a function. Visuals help our students understand the world around them. Keep in mind that many of our students, and really many children in general, struggle with receptive language processing. Something happens between the ears and the brain where the message with verbal language gets lost. So some kids are hearing what their teachers or parents or friends say, but they're not understanding everything or they're missing on important components of that message. So visuals help support that. It helps our students learn to comprehend longer and longer verbal sentences, and it helps them use those visuals to understand what we're saying and what we expect of them. And we live in a very verbal-heavy world. We're constantly talking, we're constantly listening to people talk, and that can be hard for kids with receptive language challenges to be successful in because they're expected to listen to verbal language, understand what it means, and then comply appropriately. And for some of our kids, their processing speed is just not where maybe we think it should be or where we expect it to be. So in a lot of classrooms I see teachers do this and I definitely did this too, teachers become mini drill sergeants. We think that maybe we just give two or three step directions, but in reality we're giving eight or nine step instructions. And when I say that in a training everyone laughs like, "Oh gosh, I would never give an eight step instruction." But you do. I challenge you count today on your way if you're on your way to work, when you get to school today, count how many step directions you give. Especially mid-year and three quarters of the way through the school year. We get caught up in the day-to-day routine. So Johnny comes in and you're like, hey, Johnny, take off your backpack, put away your homework, sit down, open a page 16 and get started on number three. And then you go to the next thing that you're supposed to do. And poor Johnny is processing, take off your backpack, take off your backpack, take off your backpack, take off your backpack. He goes and takes his backpack off. And he doesn't know what to do next because while you were giving the other six steps of that, instead of instructions, he was still processing step number one. So when you come back over to Johnny and you're like, oh man, you didn't get started yet. Like we were supposed to get started. You're supposed to be on number three. And where's your homework at? It's probably really frustrating for Johnny because he was like, um, I did what you told me. I put away my backpack because he was focused on processing that first step of the verbal directions that you gave him. So think about that with some of your kids, that that processing speed is just not there yet. And having things like visuals to use in between that can show the order of events or show what's expected of them is really, really key and really helpful. Visuals also help our students interact with the world around them by giving them a way to express their wants and needs. Some students on the autism spectrum don't have a lot of verbal language. They might be nonverbal or have minimal verbal skills. And obviously, pictures help them say what they want. So we, uh, many of us are well-versed in pecs or other visual systems that our kids use to express what they want, um, engage in social opportunities with peers, be part of a group. There's just countless ways to use visuals for our students for expressive language as well. So we really need it on both sides. We need it for that reception that understanding part, but also for the expressive, for saying what we want and what we need. And it's important for your whole team to be on the same page as this. Whenever I review the basics in a training and it's mostly teachers, I always tell them, like, I know you guys all know this. I know you guys are all experts in this, but you have to know this and you have to be able to teach this to your team. That's the second step as a special ed teacher. You have to be an expert in a lot of areas, but you also have to teach all of this to your staff. So when looking at visuals and how you're using them, think to yourself right now, does your staff really understand why you have visuals everywhere? Does your staff understand how to use the visual necklace you made them? Did you just hand it to them in September thinking maybe they would get what it's supposed to be? So make sure that your staff is on the same page with understanding both ends. You know, the receptive language processing, the expressive language challenges, and why we need visuals in both areas. And let's remember, visuals are not special ed specific. You and I use visuals every single day. There are visuals everywhere. If you're looking for the train stop or you are looking for the bathroom or you're looking for which trash is recycling and which trash is for garbage, there's visuals there, right? There's text, but there's visuals as well. Think about the last time you traveled maybe to a foreign country, a country where you did not speak the language. Imagine perhaps traveling to Japan. You don't speak Japanese. You have no knowledge of the language. What would you do to get around Japan? You would rely on visuals. You'd look for the bathroom sign. You'd look for the exit sign. I mean, if you're on vacation, you're probably looking for that universal cocktail symbol, which means bar because, you know, you're on vacation, We rely on visuals, and when you're in a foreign country, it really illuminates how often you use visuals because here, yes, we speak the language, and we all have pretty strong, you know, language skills and receptive language skills, so we can pretty, you know, successfully understand when people tell us things, but we use visuals a lot too. You know the Dyson hand dryer that's where you put your hands in vertically? They have them a lot at airports or malls. The first time you came across that hand dryer, it's untraditional. Most hand dryers, you wave your hands under the bottom. So maybe you tried that and it didn't work or you didn't know exactly how to use that hand dryer. But there are visuals on that hand dryer. There's a little picture of two hands that are going, you know, dipping the hands down into the machine to show how to use it. We rely on visuals when we come to new behaviors that we've never done before. So visuals really are not something special ed specific. They're something that we utilize all the time. They're part of the real world. And what could be better than teaching our students to use a strategy that's in the real world, that's independent ready right there? One of my favorite sayings is your job is to lose your job. And this kind of stresses people out at first until I explain it. But in our positions, whether you're a parent, a teacher, a paraprofessional, or a clinician, it is our job to get our students to the point where they do not need us. So they don't need us to check their lunch schedule. They don't need us to do their homework. They don't need us to play a game with their friends. They can do those things on their own. And guess what the great thing about visuals is? Our kids can use visuals without us. We don't have to be there. We can lose our job. They can use that mini schedule. They can use the visual for requesting headphones. They can use all of these different visuals that we set up without us being there. That's independence. That's the goal. Yes, we're not there right away. We might not be there tomorrow. We might not even be there in two years. But that's okay. You see, the, you see the path ahead, that path toward independent living. And visuals can help us get there because as we've said, visuals are part of our real world setting and we can teach our kids to use those visuals without needing any help from us. And I am definitely on board for that because it's gonna be easier to fade and it's gonna be that naturally occurring setup that we can show our kids how to use in the community, in the household without us being there So let's talk about best practices for visuals. So let's look at the visuals you have and then the visuals that you might still need. So first, think about the visuals you have in your classroom. Next time you get to school or to your house, look around and kind of take inventory. What's there? What are you using on a regular basis? What are you not using? And spend some time thinking about why. Why is it set up this way? Is there a way to set it up better? Is there a way to change up those visuals to make them more effective or to make them more um, looking like the ones in the real world? So spend a little bit of time really looking at and evaluating the visuals that you already have. And that's something that kind of everyone's like, oh yeah, sure, sure. But really, you know, set a timer on your phone for five minutes and just walk around your classroom or around your home if you use visuals in your home and kind of go through and take out the ones that you're never using. Um, Think about the best way to use the ones that you already have. Think about the ones that you utilize all the time. Are there other ones that you could make that are similar to that one and why that one is so effective? Is it because of where it's placed? Is it because of what it's used for. I'm sure your I want iPad visual maybe is used a lot. So think about why the visuals that are frequently used are frequently used because that'll give you some great information about what's missing. So next, let's think about what visuals you need. So how can we figure out which ones are missing? So first, look at the areas of your day where maybe you are struggling as the teacher or as the parent Or your kids are struggling? Where do they need a lot of your help? And then think about how you can use visuals to support those areas. If your students are struggling to transition, can you add in some transition visuals? Are your students struggling with understanding what they're working for or understanding when it's not their turn or when it is their turn? Could you make some visuals there? Are your students struggling in gym class or in the inclusion setting? They might be because there might not be as many visuals set up and ready to use as there are in your classroom. So think about ways you can support the gen ed teacher and the gym teacher to have those same visuals that are successful in your classroom in those rooms. And that doesn't mean go tell the gym teacher, make some visuals, because guess what? The gym teacher does not know how to make visuals. That is not their area of expertise. They don't have board maker. They don't have the laminator. They don't have all the cool stuff we do. That means make visuals for them. Yes, I know it takes time and money for laminating, but when your kids come back from gym class a hot mess, that is as much affecting your day as it is the gym teacher's day and your student's day. So make the whole day better for everyone and help them make those visuals for them. Look at areas in your classroom where you are giving those laundry lists. You know, we're going to do this, we're going to do this, then we're going to have this activity, then we're going here. So look at where you can replace and supplement some of those laundry lists of activities and to-dos with visuals. Add in those mini schedules so students know exactly what's expected of them. Look at your centers. When there are multiple activities at one center, does your student understand that they have multiple activities to do? I am obsessed with the mini-schedule because so often we're great at setting up a daily schedule, but we don't think about all of those little embedded schedules throughout our day. Look at your daily schedules. We're midway through the year right now, if you're listening to this when this first goes live. Look at if those schedules are working or not. You will know if you spend time thinking about it. Your schedules that aren't working, switch them up. The schedules that are working really well, Up the ante, make them a little harder. Maybe make the visuals smaller or move towards text. And remember, text is still a visual. A textual prompt is telling us what to do. So still rely on those for your kids that can handle that much language and have a strong sight word vocabulary. Look at your behavior plans and ensure that you are utilizing and relying on visuals where you need to in your behavior plans. You want to make sure that your student knows exactly the contingency. And by that, I mean, if you engage in these unexpected behaviors, these bad choices, this is what happens. And when you do these great things, these awesome things come to you. Does your kid understand that? Have you explained that to them in a way that they understand? And by that, I mean supporting your language and maybe that text with visuals, Things like behavior contingency maps are awesome for these. I talk a lot about this on my blog, and I'll link it in the show notes. These are great to show kind of the shift in consequences. Hey, when you do these things, something not so great might happen. But when you do these awesome things, something awesome is coming. We need to explain our incentive systems and our reinforcer systems in language our kids understand, and that language for many kids is visuals, If your principal explained your new pay structure and how you were getting paid in Japanese, you'd have a lot of questions and you wouldn't be so willing to go to work right away because you wouldn't understand what's going on. Am I getting paid? How often am I getting paid? How much am I getting paid? How much work is expected of me? Think about all the questions you would have and how unsure you would feel and how anxious you would feel. That might be how some of our kids feel when we're explaining a reinforcer system relying only on verbal language and not supporting it with visuals. So really think about all the different ways you could be upping the ante in different areas of your room. So let's think about the next step with visuals. You have everything set up perfect. You have everything where it should go. And unfortunately, this is no magic wand. You can't just plop up visuals and then, you know, wipe your hands and be like, okay, kids, carry on, go use the visuals I think a lot of people think this about schedules too. You can just make them and be done. But no, you have to teach these. These are tools and people need to be taught how to use a tool. If someone handed me a chainsaw right now and was like, hey, go cut down that tree, you better believe I would kill myself because I would not know how to use that tool. I would have to be taught how to use a chainsaw. Our kids have to be taught how to use visuals. So that means spending time, not just one day or two days. It might take a lot of days and that's okay because you better believe it would take me a lot of days to learn how to use a chainsaw. So think about really spending time teaching these visuals. That means modeling, using them in situ, picking them up, talking them through, pointing, After you spend a lot of time teaching, then start to fade your prompts. Remember, your job is to lose your job. The goal is that your student is using that visual without you. So start to pull back. A really great way to fade prompts here is using a time delay. So if you've been kind of always jumping in and showing them what to do, maybe you have a visual by the computer that says, I want the login, one of my favorite visuals because... you want that computer, you're going to be really motivated to ask someone for the login on the computer. So if there's a visual right there that says, I want login, and you've spent, you know, a few days or a few weeks taking that student hand over hand, prompting them to pick up the visual, hand it to you or hand it to another staff member, point to the pictures that says, I want the login. After some time of doing this, when you guys get to the computer, instead of jumping in and providing that help right away, wait a minute. Wait, count to 10 in your head. It's very hard to count to 10. 10's a lot of numbers. But literally count to 10 in your head and see what they do. Because sometimes we fall into over-prompting by just jumping in too quickly. Whereas we just give our kids a second, they might initiate and grab that visual right on their own. So think about making sure to really fade that prompt with the time delay or, you know, pulling back by just pointing and going through that prompt hierarchy, but have that be a plan and make sure that this is a plan with your whole team. So I talked about this earlier. As the special ed teacher, half the battle is is knowing the right thing to do and setting it all up and the other half is getting your team all on the same page too. So spend time explaining to your staff why we have these visuals and make sure it is part of the culture of your team that your job is to lose your job. You want that to be a mantra in everyone's head. You want that that to be what they think about when you go to help a child check their schedule or use their textbook that, hey, I'm gonna pull back a little because I'm not gonna be with this kid forever. And I want them to know how to ask for their nachos without me. So really think about that and have that become part of your team's atmosphere and part of their mission. A great way to do this is by... Having a team mission statement. I'm gonna link in the show notes a Facebook video that I did a while ago that talks about why you should create a team mission statement with your staff and what specific questions you should work on answering as a team. And naturally, when you create a team mission statement, one of the common values that most great special ed teachers and special ed pair professionals have is wanting their kids to be independent and showing that this is part of the pathway towards independence will help solidify that team buy-in. So that's one of the big take-home points of this episode is it's about the team. You need the whole team on board with why you're using visuals. You need to make sure that your staff knows that visuals are a great type of tool that our kids can use without us and that it's our job to lose our job. So make sure that all of your staff understands that and gets why you've set up these visuals in this way. And it's important to look at, as I've mentioned, and evaluate the effectiveness of the visuals that you already have out, and then figure out what visuals you still need. Looking at this will really help make sure that your classroom is set up in a way where visuals are there when you need them, and they can be frequently utilized with or without you. And then that final take-home point, Fade, 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 fade. You've got to pull yourself away. Let your kids use those visuals without you. Those are tools. And after you teach them how to use them, let them fly. Let them be successful. Let them use those visuals and engage in those skills and activities that the visuals help support without your help. You're not gonna be with them forever, even if you're a mom and dad listening. We want our kids to be able to do things without us. So pulling away is the best thing you can do to help your kids become independent adults. Did you know that two out of three teachers turn to Teachers Pay Teachers for Educational Resources? As a seller on TPT, this makes me so excited. I love seeing educators turn to other educators for support in their classrooms. There are so many great resources on Teachers Pay Teachers, and this could be made even better if we could involve school budgets in this process. Enter TPT for Schools. TPT for Schools makes it easy for administrators and teachers to collaborate when making curricular decisions. TPT helps you set up a way of using school funds for these resources. This is a new program, and there's already over 5,000 schools registered. In the special ed world, this is even more important because we don't have that many resources, and the resources that are provided for us might not be so appropriate for our class. To learn more about TPT for Schools, visit schools.teacherspayteachers.com. Thanks for listening to the Autism Helper Podcast. If you liked what you heard and want to hear more, hit subscribe. Thanks again for listening.
0: Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for one twenty-nine each, then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for two forty-nine a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon.